Hello, hello, hello. What's up, beautiful people? Happy Sunday. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're finding as much solace as possible throughout this crazy time that we're in. Back with the 90-something Magnolia podcast to spread a little bit of positivity and productivity into your, your day. Uh, this episode, I was joined by a good friend of mine named Javier. Javier is an artist, uh, art therapist, a medical professional, uh, former classmate, uh, New Yorker by way of Connecticut, by way of Jamaica. Um, and in this episode, we talk about a bunch. We talk about his origin story, uh, his motivations and creativity, his his goals with his work, um, and so much more. Multiculturalism and so many things. Um, so strap in, enjoy. Follow Javier on all the socials. You can find them in the link below. And... Feel free to hit him up. Uh, he and I are actually going to be going on Instagram Live later today to show y'all how to make face masks. Not surgical, but they are helpful in a pinch made with washable and upcycled fabric. So I hope you enjoy. Peace. Hello. Well. Welcome. Thank you for being here. And Thank you for having me. Of course. For the people out there who may not be super familiar with you or your work, tell them who you are, what you do. Um, my name is Javier. I go by Javier Irie on Instagram. So, uh, well, actually, I'll call also Javier, and I'm an artist and an art therapist. Um, my social media presence is really more so about my art. And I think what I do with my art is um, reframing the black narrative and just kind of taking things from pop culture, mixing it around. Um, and I guess after I mix it around, I kind of process it for myself and then put it back out there using um, different elements just to kind of have people think about it or look at um, situations that are going on in the world or just to be nostalgic for a moment. Kind of go from there. For sure, love that. And I love it how you specifically framed it around the black experience too, because that's very important. It's very specific, and it is very potent. Yeah. I am going to backpedal a little bit if I could uh, interject with a question about what you said. Tell me, names are important. Names make a difference. My name is mad weird and unusual and usually gets botched. <laughs> I used to I used to hate that, but I've come to love it because it's part of my identity in a big way. Tell me about that. Tell me about the Irie in your name. Tell me about tell me about tell me where that comes from. Tell me about what that might mean. I know what it means, but tell me and I I, I I take that. Ba- I take that back. I think I know what it means based on the little context I have about uh, the islands, 
but um, tell me what that means to you and why that's important to you. Um, before I answer, I'm kind of curious. What does it mean to you? And, and I will answer it. I, I'm just kind of curious when you said, like, you think you know what it means. I think I know what it means. And if, if I'm wrong and I'm ignorant, forgive me. Everybody out there, forgive me. I don't even trying to step on no toes. <laughs> um, but from what I understand, and mind you, my context about the word Irie is specific to Jamaicans, m- many of whom I grew up with and I love dearly. Um, it, it's upbeat, it's lively, it's happy, it's uh, fun-spirited, it's blessed, it is positive. It's all those things kind of wrapped up into a nutshell. And I'm curious if that's along the same lines of what you kind of deduce from it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 100%. It, um, like, every, like, I put that in my name because, um, I mean, I love that word, Irie, and I wanted something that was very Jamaican and very much a part of my cultural heritage. Um, because it's hard, like, because I was like, when I started thinking about what I wanted to have my Instagram name, I just wanted my first name, and I had a similar experience where you talked about where people always mispronounce my name, they didn't know how to say it right. I was kind of like, grew, and like, I never not liked my name, but I was annoyed when people couldn't pronounce it, but then you kind of grow and understand that this, you have this name for a reason, and like, your parents chose it, and it's unique, and that's kind of, you have to embrace that experience. So I was just like, excited when I finally got on social media to like, all right, I've never met another person with my name. It should be easy to have that ask or whatever. And then it was taken across every social media. So I was like, damn, what am I going to put to differentiate myself? Because I've never had that experience of having to be the other Javier. Um, so then I was just like, all right, let me just throw something cultural on it. Um, and I felt like something RT would be too obvious. Um, so I just did Irie. Because of everything you said, like it means everything's good, it's pleasant, it's amazing, like uh, you're always good and I think I'm a person that likes that mindset of always being good, like no matter what's going on, try to be balanced um, and try to look at things from a different perspective so that you're not out of balance and to me it just made sense to put that together. Definitely. I love that. That's super important, especially right now in the time of the world that we're in. Um, and we're not even gonna talk about that right now because that's not important. The process that we're doing right now is important. But you said two things that are very important to me in life overall, which is balance and re- resilience, being good no matter what. That's so important, it's taken for granted. It's a superpower, but people don't necessarily think of it like that. So. I don't know, that just, I, I resonate with that thinking. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very important. And, you know, I think there's a little room to talk about, like, what's going on right now. But I think it's relevant. Um, and because when you said that, I started thinking about um, how my artwork is kind of shifting a little bit and how I'm using my platform. Um, and, like, I, I feel this, like, I've always felt, um, like, if I'm going to put art into the world, I want it to be something that people can connect with. And then the world changes, and it's like, okay, well, what kind of art are you going to put out to the world? And then also, what are you responding to the world right now? And, like, when I create, I'm creating from that dynamic of this 
that I'm taking in the world and then this is the content I'm putting back out but now the world is very different so now my art is very different um, and the things I want to create is very different so that's something that I've been thinking about a lot so when you brought, you mentioned like what's going on I just wanted to throw that in there absolutely and since we're talking about it let's talk about it um, I will just interject with I guess what is a bit of a PSA and just a just a slice of love to everybody who listens to this, everybody who's involved in this, you, Javier, um, all your loved ones, and everybody who's affected, which is literally everybody in the world, by this COVID-19 crisis. I will use the word crisis very uh, carefully and intentionally. Um, thank you to everybody who's trying to do everything they can to make it easier on everybody else whether you're a nurse whether you're delivering food whether you're delivering inspiration and therapy just a, a thank you it's important um and we all need it right now yeah i agree i second that i think it's really important for sure and i love that mentality of thinking about everyone and how you are impacting other people i think that's really dope man this is the first time in my life um where everybody's been focused on the same thing at the same time. Um, that's that that sucks too. <laughs> that's not a. I'm not proud to say that, but it's a fact. I've never seen everyone in the world paying attention to the same thing and actually giving a shit about the same thing at the same time. Um, the word the word that I've crazy is a word that we've been hearing, of course. Another word that I've been hearing and throwing around, and I'm, I'm very mindful of buzzwords because I think they can be poisonous, um, but another word that I'm hearing thrown around is unprecedented. It is, un it is unprecedented, so we're weathering the storm. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, Javier, for bearing with my PSA to the people because they needed it, even if they didn't... <laughs> wash your hands. I'm gonna add to what Javier just threw out there. Wash your damn, wash your damn hands. Stop being nasty. Um, exactly. And lotion your hands too. That's important. Yes, Lo lotion is very important. I've not heard any lo shortages of lotion anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> lotion your damn hands. I only say that because the middle, between my fingers on my left hand are literally like scaly right now because at first I was just washing my hands like 20 times a day and now my shits are kind of cracked. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm, he I'm, he I'm hella moisturized now, so I'm back in the game. <laughs> All right, Javier, um, PSA done. Back to the regularly scheduled programming. Um, tell me about this is your it seems like one of your biggest loves in life is art so we're gonna get we're gonna get into the weeds about the art tell me how you got started tell me like take me from point a when you may not have done any art before or you s didn't really know what quote unquote being an artist meant 
And then how you kind of took a couple of steps and got to the point where it's like, oh, I actually do this. I'm curious about those couple of steps and what happened in between. Um, I don't, I don't remember a point where I wasn't like an artist. Um, it's funny when I went to grad school, one of our first assignments was to write our journey to becoming an artist and how to like interview our parents if we don't know. And I never thought about it up until that point. It was just something that I did. And then I was talking to my parents and I was like, you know, when did I start making art? Because I can't remember a point where I wasn't like creative or drawing or sketching something. And they were like, you know, you've always been creative. Like, you know, when you were small and like before you could even hold a pencil, you were, you know, building things with Legos and like just being little blocks or whatever and just always been creative since I was young. So I don't think there was a, a point where I was just like, all right, um, I'm an artist. It was kind of just a natural progression across my lifespan, I guess, in yeah. retrospect. Um, I think when I was, I, I knew in high school that I wanted, well, not, not in high school. I think in, when I say elementary school, you go through that age. Um, you know, being Caribbean, I think being, a, um, having a, <clears throat> excuse me, coming from a third world country and then coming to the States and having immigrant parents, I feel like there's always this expectation that you have to be super successful. You gotta be a lawyer, doctor, something that's yep. gonna like uplift that sacrifice that your family made to come here. And I had that moment. Yep. Um, and then I was kind of like, but I, I do want to do something practical and like successful, but I also want to be an artist. And so when I got to high school, I think I started researching ways to combine those things. And then um, that's how I found out about art therapy, just like Googling like art and, and psychology and that came up. And then just going from there and making space for being an art therapist and being an artist at the, the same time. Um, I think that's the only kind of moment where I had like a, I needed to define who define who I was as an artist, but previous to that, I think it just kind of happened. That's awesome. Like you and I talked about before we started recording, organic is important, and like that sounds like almost the most organic way you can get into it as possible. Um, can we go a little further back into the roots and talk about? You mentioned third world country. You mentioned immigrant parents. You mentioned the expectations that come along with both of those things. And I know there's, uh, excuse my English, there's a shit ton of people in the world and in our country who have a similar background. So can you tell me a little bit about like your start in terms of that, in terms of like uh, being multicultural and, and how you, where you came from and where you are now and all that stuff? Like where you know which which third world country and all that yep all of that. Okay, um, well I was born in Jamaica, um, little island in the Caribbean, um, and then I came here when I was really young, and I think I did. Oh no, I think I know. I did um, school during the school year. I was in the states and then America. And then in the summers, I would go back to Jamaica. So I kind of grew up in both worlds and kind of got to experience both of them. Which is now making me think about your question about, you know, including Irie. I think that needed to be in there because I was of both worlds. Yep. So, yeah, I think that experience 
No, no, that's that's perfect. That that makes sense. I didn't realize I didn't realize that you were kind of living both lives and going back and forth. That's that's an important part of the story because that definitely sh- shapes you as a young person. Um, it, do you feel like as as somebody who has this unique experience that's unique, of course, but you're not the only person who's grown up like this. A lot of people come to the states in search of just different opportunities. I won't say better, but just different. I love that. I love that. Um, do you feel like your experience going back and forth was unusual, or do you feel like most people who come who come from Yad? <laughs> do you think most people who come who come from who come to the states like that? Do you think they also kind of live both lives in that way, or you feel like yours was a little bit more unusual? Um, it depends because I have a lot of family who, who does that, so it. I grew up thinking it was normal to go back and forth, but that's what the majority of my family doesn't have like a very big family. Um, and then the Jamaicans that we like family friends that we knew, they also did the same thing. They were always going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as I got a little older and I met like Jamaicans that were not associated with my family, I realized that some people have never been back. I mean, I haven't been back in years, um, but I know people who haven't been back since like for almost like as long as I've been alive and they're like, there's nothing back there for them. And then I know people who prefer to absolutely be in Jamaica. Like if they have to come to America, it's a transactional reason like there's a, a purpose and an intent and like they're just coming here for money and they're going back to paradise so I, it, it never seemed unusual i just kind of was just aware that there were different takes on it yeah for sure and i i wonder if that awareness if that awareness that there are different approaches to coming here and living here and also living there I wonder if that awareness that you can do both, if that's unusual. Um, but that's just me being curious. I don't. You don't have to answer that. Um, what I do want you to answer in this, I just thought of this question as you were talking. What's your favorite part about being in Jamaica? Like, what's your favorite thing to do when you're there? Like, if you could go there right now, what would you be doing? Like, what would you want to be doing? What would I want to be doing? Yep. Favorite thing to spend your time doing when you're there. I always remember sketching on my um, my grandmother's veranda, which is a, like a, a porch. So I think I would want to want to just do that. Like it's just it's just a vibe, you know. You just on the the front porch, it's open up to the world. There's a grill in front of it that blocks off. What you don't want to come in, but you're kind of in nature, but not because I'm not like a naturey person, but I like being warm. I like being outside, but then also being in a sheltered space or construction, whatever it is. Yeah. But I think that that's my favorite thing is just being there, and also, um, just watching the way that um people navigate. I like to do a lot of people watching when I'm there. Um, yeah, it's just a different feeling and a vibe. So that, that's what it, it wouldn't be anything fantastical. It would just be simply <laughs> being on a veranda, making art, and observing. 
I think that's I don't know. Don't downplay that experience. That's very special. That sounds fire. I wish I was doing that right now um, with all my family, of course. But like, right, right, right. <laughs> that makes that's that's a special type of experience. And I've been to Jamaica a couple of times, and I haven't been as an adult, and I really want to go. But if you've been to Jamaica and you've seen the beauty of the island, I feel like you understand what you're talking about when you say just like just being out there, feeling that warmth and and being exposed to the elements is dope. It's and it being doing all that is a vibe, but then also doing what you love and will be doing no matter where you are. In addition to that, that's a that's a a double vibe, and that's really really blessed. Word. Very, very cool, man. It's an important origin story, so thank you for going down memory lane. Well, uh, real quick, we're going to get in the weeds even further, actually, just for the people who just for the people who do have some context, who have been back a yard. Um, if I'm fucking up the, the slang, I apologize. I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to pay homage. Um, by the, by the culture, the ancestry. Yeah, for sure. Bro, my, my, I got a bunch of siblings. I come from a big family. And that's another question I want to ask you, too, is do you come from a big or small family? But um, I have, I come from a big family, a lot of siblings. And um, a lot of my siblings, their their father is Jamaican. And, he, you know, I love him like I love anyone in my family. So the culture is very close to me. It's very near. Um, I grew up. I grew up with him, their father, my, you know, my left, uh, excuse me, my loved one. Who He's a Ross. He's a Rasta. Um, waking up in the morning, making plantains, porridge, um, all of that good stuff. So I don't know. The culture is, is, is kind of sacred to me, which is why I'm so curious about your experience. Because I'm, I'm not Jamaican, you know. Um, I have been a bit of an outsider, but I, I love to learn too. So hearing it from you in a different perspective is huge. Yeah. But um. What is your cultural background? My cultural background is. I would describe my cultural background as super American, in the fact that it's a big mixed bag, like. My mother is mixed. I grew up with my mother. I grew up living with my mother. Um, she's mixed. Her father's from Trinidad, um, and her mother and her mother's Irish. She's a white lady <laughs> whose parents are from Ireland. Um, so that's super multicultural right there. And then my father is African American. Um, I didn't grow up with him as much, but of course I definitely take some culture from that as well and then outside of my two parents uh background like i said i have a bunch of siblings and their father is straight from yad (laughs) um i don't know what i don't know how old you were when you came to the states but i think my i think my siblings dad was in his later teens when I don't even want to be wrong and say the wrong information, but he was a little bit older, you know, when he came to the state. So he, uh, speaking how you and I are speaking right now and then speaking Patois for him. It's like if one sentence is one dialect and one sentence is the next dialect, he goes back and forth. So like, um, 
I don't know. It's a very, very mixed bag. Like, I grew up with a lot of Jamaican shit, and I didn't even realize that that was unusual back when I was a little kid. I met him when I was six years old, I think. And his grandma, his mother is like a grandmother, is, is a grandmother to me, and I love her with my whole entire heart. She cooks the best stew chicken out of anyone that I know. Um, it's better than Jerk Pit. I'm sorry. Um, it's better than what? Jerk Pit. <laughs> you know Jerk Pit? No, I, I've, I've, I've not had it. <clears throat> Do you know of it? Yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, I don't. I didn't mean to get this deep into the Jamaican talk. Um, no, no, no. But now that we are here, let's talk about it. What's your favorite? We're talking Connecticut too. For everyone who doesn't have all the context about Javier and I, we're uh, we in terms of our uh, I guess most relevant to this conversation experience. We come from Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut area to be specific. Is a lot of people from the West Indies. It's a lot of Jamaican people, Trinidadian people, just people from the islands. So, Javier, what if you were getting Jamaican food in Hartford area? Where would you go? Where Where's the best restaurant? Where would you send the people? Um, I, you know, I had a very um, <laughs> um, I, I didn't really, we didn't really eat out much growing up. Um, some home cooking. Home cooking, yeah, like. I'm talking like bringing butter cheese sandwiches to school. Like, <laughs> you know, I love that. Like, people ask me like, what's that? You put cheese in like cake? And I'm like, it's not cake. Not a lot of eating out, but um, so that's why I say like, I've heard of all these places, but um, never really been to a lot of them. Um, and then, Honestly, like when I was a teenager, like I tried to get out of Hartford as fast as possible, so I didn't really go out and start to explore it. So my basic like is just like Golden Crust and Scott's Bakery, which are which are classics. Don't I don't sleep on Golden Crust or Scott's. They got good pat them good patties. Right. And um, I don't think there's there's a spot in downtown. I've heard that has a really good um, jerk chicken sandwich, but I would have to ask. I, I can't think of the name. Um, it's all good. Offhand. Yeah, it's like a restaurant by day and a club by night. I um, didn't even know there was any Jamaican spots in downtown. Yeah, they got a me. Um, what is um Jerk chicken sandwich. Yeah. And the... Um, the bread is, uh, they use cocoa bread for the, um... Oh, that sounds nice. So it's like, you know, they add a different level to it. Yeah, that's different. I've never even heard of a jerk chicken sandwich. <laughs> but the fact that they make it with cocoa bread is, that's different. I love that. The moral of this story for the people out there in the world is... All of you should know how to cook. If you don't know how to cook, learn how to cook. It's important. Um, you make it with love. It's always gonna taste better than if you just get it on the go. Um, I understand some people don't have time to cook, but right now, unless you're on the front lines saving the world, everyone has a little extra time. So now it's the time to learn how to cook. Yeah, for real. And there are so many people on 
like offering free classes. Like I would just scrolling through Instagram Live and like people that will usually like, hey, join my cooking class. Now they're doing free cooking sessions online or on Zoom or whatever. And I'm just like, yo, there's so much free skill to be gained and taken up right now that like I'm excited for that. Like I've learned a few recipes um, from a couple of pages just by watching. Right on. I've been cooking a lot recently as well. Maybe I've been cooking more and more as I crept up on my 30th year um, in attempts to get my shit together and stop eating out in New York City so much because it's expensive and unhealthy. <laughs> so I'm going to respond to you after with the same exact question. But my favorite thing to cook... I've been making a lot of potatoes, bro. I'm not even going to hold you. Um, Because you can make potatoes so many different ways. i recently been making homemade french fries. Not especially healthy, but um, I use olive oil, which is better than, like, some oils. (laughs) Um, And they're they're healthier than McDonald's french fries, at least. Um, I also have spent the last couple of months kind of perfecting my lasagna recipe. You see what I'm saying? I told you I'm super American. It's a mixed bag. Like, we got, you know what I'm saying? I might make a jerk chicken one day and then do some Alfredo or a lasagna the next day. Like, it's super American, bro. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's dope, though, because growing up, like, because, um, like, I grew up eating Jamaican food. Like, the only time you eat, like, American food is, like, maybe we'll have macaroni and cheese. But I don't feel like that's, that's super American. But it's like when I got older and I started cooking, then like my mom would be like, all right. And then I'll cook like American stuff. But we'd be like, all right, we want to try lasagna. She's like, all right, let's try to make it. But I don't know. Like we'd figure it out and make lasagna. But it was like one of those special like type of things that happened every once in a while. Yeah. Um, unusual. Yeah, un- unusual. Um, I think for me, in terms of, Cooking, I do like to cook, but not all the time. Um, I think recently I've been eating a lot of, um, because of what's going on in the world, I've been trying to um, boost my immune system, so just kind of eating foods that do that. Same here. um, Yeah. So a lot of um, broccoli, a lot of ginger, turmeric, um, those type of things like um, garlic thrown into like whatever I make, like I'm gonna saute some broccoli, just throw those things in there, or um, like make a excuse me, <clears throat> get some water. No, make some, um, just like if I'm gonna bake something, just kind of throw those things in there. Um, yep. I do post a lot of food um, in my Instagram stories. I try to, I try, I, before I was posting on my page, and I was like, why are you posting all this food? And I was like, I get it. Like, you're here for my artwork. I'll just put this in my stories. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm all, and, I, and I love, like, breakfast foods. Um, like, American breakfast foods are really good. Like, waffles, pancakes, stuff like that. Um, amazing for sure i love it i love it i love it and 
Even though you and I are not no spring chickens, we also are still young enough where that we're, we still got a lot to figure out. So the fact that we're just now kind of getting into the cooking routine is good. Is good. Um, we have a we have we have a lot further to go, of course, but you got to start somewhere. Um, so I don't know. I feel like we're off to a good start just because we've been doing something. Exactly. Um, word. It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, you, you hooked me up with a little assist in mentioning your more recent approaches to, I guess, social media and thinking about our content a little bit differently because we have no choice because we're we're in a different situation than anyone has ever been in in the history of the world um (laughs) which is so crazy to say but it's a fact and i uh, i'm happy to say that as a fact because we got to document it it's important um that's true that's true um tell me about I guess I'm trying to think of how to frame this, but like I told you, I don't have prescribed questions, but I'm freestyling as we go. So bear with me. Um, Tell me about kind of how you've, whether generally or specifically, how you've used social media thus far or used or thought about social media thus far. And now how the last couple of weeks have made you change gears and use it differently. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about that? Um, before I was using social media, just, um, making art and throwing it up there, um, and kind of seeing what the response, well, not seeing what the response is, but just putting it out there, um, and I think, I don't want to repeat what I said in the beginning about, like, you know, combining stuff, but I think I like to do a lot of portraiture. Um, and I, and I love, I love um, cartoons and animation, so I do a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of my artwork is reflective of that, like portraits, cartoons, things like that. And then um, recently, um, I wanted to do, like, bring a little bit of art and relaxation into it, or art and wellness is kind of what um, I've been packaging it as. So, like, in the mornings, I'll do an art and wellness um session where I jump on Instagram live for 20 minutes and I just teach people uh, art and relaxation skills. So that's very different because when people come to my page, they're seeing portraits and cartoons and then now, you know, you jump on and you're like, okay, what are we going to learn? I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to do a mandala. And they're like, okay, what is a mandala? Um, and or you know, it's entangled in these different like techniques that people use to focus their mind and relax. Um, and it doesn't really deal with the human form or cartoons or figures. So it's very different aesthetically. Um, and then also it's different in terms of the thought process. Um, I think with um, the artwork that I make, it's pulling a lot of I guess it's by redefining the black narrative, and I guess now the focus is how do you relax or how do you manage your anxiety, how do you focus um, for a moment and learn a new skill to kind of distract yourself from what's going on. And I'm in the process of trying to merge 
you know, the kind of art I was making before with the kinds of art um, workshops that I'm doing now. Trying to find a balance between those two worlds. I think there is a space for it. I just got to figure it out. Figuring it out is definitely uh, a process and it's an ongoing process for sure. It's it's ever-evolving process and I mean, I'm so happy you said that because that's definitely the theme of this podcast is just starting at A and getting to Z, whatever means necessary, whatever therapy sessions re- required um, and everyone's version of therapy is so different. So hearing you kind of like inject artwork and portraiture and aesthetics into that process is very, very, um, if nothing else, it's inspiring to me and hopefully to other people out there as well. Um, I'm curious, um, you talked to, or mentioned this a little bit before, but how is, or has um, the way that you're approaching your podcasting process changed um, with the change that we're going through right now? Good question. Um, specific to right now and what's going on with COVID-19 and all that stuff? Yeah, and social, well, physical distancing, really. Yep. Um, it hasn't changed it drastically, I'll, I'll be honest. It has definitely changed it and elevated it it's elevated everything that i was already doing it's made me feel um i'm very very uh big on time and timing i know that time is finite i know that our time here is a gift and i know it's not to be taken for granted and i know eventually it will come to a close um so i know that i have to document these things while they're happening because I may not necessarily get to document them once it's too late. So it's just been a motivational push to like, yo, bro, you have ideas. You will you will basically be killing yourself if you let them only be ideas. You have to execute. You have to put them out. Um, sim- similar to you, it sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I've kind of grown up as a relatively shy and um potentially guarded and potential i I, i'm skeptical of using the word timid um because at this point i'm not timid but shy is probably the best way to describe it i i was just always very i'm just like hyper aware and i don't want to like i don't want to make anything worse than it is i want to only make things better and sometimes you get in your own head and you might not do something because you don't know if it's going to automatically be better because of you. And now, because of the circumstances, I'm just like, fuck that shit. <laughs> We're all here. We all have gifts. I know that. I've spent three uh, three chapters of my life studying that and seeing that from all different shapes and sizes of people. So this situation has like force me to tap in with myself and just make sure that the things that I want to do, I'm doing them. Um, there's no time to be shy. There's no time to be uh, overthinking and like talking yourself out of things. Like literally, if you're going to do something, you have to do it right now. Um, not out of fear that I'm going to die tomorrow. Like that's not why I'm doing this. 
but just fear out of like while I have these thoughts and these ideas I just feel passionately about putting them into a tangible form that other people can either enjoy or learn from or pass on or whatever um so I guess the situation has just encouraged me to not waste any time um I hope that makes sense and is a concise thought no, but that, that definitely makes a lot of sense um and i I'm, i actually resonate with a lot of what you said especially you know about letting your ideas die you know what i mean like you have to like and the, the sense of urgency and not having the time to let your ideas just sit and ruminate and let them be in your head to like just actualize them and like there's no time to be shy and, and also you didn't use this word but when you were talking it like the word introspection came into my mind, you know, thinking about how, you know, everyone's being forced to, not forced, but it's highly recommended that you stay inside. And that I think offers an opportunity for people to look inward and be introspective and really ask themselves, you know, hard questions and then act on them. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, like the time is finite and what are we going to do with it? You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do with all the time that you have now? What are you going to do with all the ideas and dreams and things that you had before? And now you may have the time to execute them given your, you know, living situation. Um, it, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, man. Um, I, I do think about it. Um, and me, I'm a... You're a you're a art therapist, and you're kind of I would put therapy in the. Do you, let me ask you this: rather than telling you, I'm going to ask you because you're the professional. Do you consider art therapy in the healthcare industry? Yeah. Me too. I agree. I I do as well. Um, it is. I'm trying to choose my words carefully but i don't know man it's just crucial um and i don't want to like sound like i'm very cognizant of like spreading fear because i think that that's like a marketing tool (laughs) and that's not a marketing it's not a marketing tool that i employ so with everything that i said like I, i i am a chronic overthinker um I overthink things because I, like I said, I really, I give a shit about the things that I invest my time in and I want to make sure that I'm doing good, um, no matter what and every single time, but I've come to learn in my, my three chapters that I keep referring to my, my 30 years, I'm an old, I'm an old man now putting it out into the world. I got one, I got one gray hair. Fuck anybody who doesn't like it. I'm kidding. I'm ki- I'm joking. Um, but I don't know, man. That chronic overthinking will just snowball into a whole bunch of other negativity that I, we just don't have the time for. So I would say that that's a big way that this situation has impacted my process and the podcast specifically. It's encouraged me to get out of my comfort zone. I started this podcast with... Um, a conversation with my some of the people long story short some of the people that were closest to me closest 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 people that I grew up with people that I lived with 
One of them was my roommate in college. He's grown into one of my best friends in life. Um, I lived with him in college and I lived with him after college in New York. Um, but in my next episode was my younger brother, who I'm also extremely close with. Um, and then from there, I just went to other people who I was extremely close with. But the people that I'm closest with and know best are not the only people that I admire and appreciate and learn from. So it's kind of encouraged me to make sure that I'm getting out of my comfort zone and also learning from stories that aren't necessarily right in my direct line of sight. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, and then kind of what what leads you and I to this conversation it's like like I said before earlier when we were talking um I've watched I've seen a lot of your work for a long time um and now the time is finally right for us to sit down and talk about it but like I said getting out of your comfort zone is important because without me having done that you and I might not be here talking in the way that we're talking so I, I appreciate I appreciate that process Yeah, for sure. So we talked about all the good shit, all the fluffy shit. We are we are taking this coronavirus situation with a glass that is half full because we're turning it into art and art is important. Art is the best. We fucking love art. Art's gonna exactly. art is gonna save the world, that's a fact. Exactly. Art has always saved the world, but it's gonna do it again. Um that What'd you say? It's a, it, it has always recorded history. Every time. Yeah. Um, the hieroglyphs, cave paintings. Yep. We know these things because of art. I think it's dope that you mentioned, you know, being, you have to record this. You know what I mean? That you have to record the time because it's important. I can't, I can't let... I can't let CNN tell this story. I can't let the Shade Room tell this story. I can't let the Breakfast Club tell this story. I love Charlemagne the God. I can't let Charlemagne the God tell this story. This is not his story to tell. He didn't. He didn't come from Yad. He didn't grow up with. He didn't grow up with a bunch of siblings whose father came from Yad. He didn't eat the porridge. He didn't. This is our story to tell. Um, and that is very important to me. I, I give a shit about that. Uh, I will fight for that. You you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but all that good positivity aside, nothing is one-sided. So let's talk about the other side. Tell me what annoys you about social media. What is the shit that you log on and you're like, fuck, I do not want to see this again. Why are y'all doing this? Fucking stop. What what, what is the stuff that grinds your gears? Because social media is a lot. It's heavy. Uh, it's impactful, not always for the better. <laughs> um, so tell me about the stuff that you're just like, yo, I, I, we could do without that. Okay. Um, I have two things jump to mind immediately. Um, I want both of them. Thing. Give me both of them. Okay. Okay. The first thing is um, I'm very frustrated with the changes to Instagram in particular. Algorithms. I, I think it's the algorithm. The damn algorithm. Right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating because 
I was not really big on social media. Um, like growing up, like I, I never had a MySpace. Um, I, I didn't get Facebook until like midway through, or not midway through, but like early 20s. Um, same thing with Instagram. Like I was real hesitant to get on social media. And then, um, like I had a couple of friends who were like, you would do really, you would like Instagram because like you're a visual person and it makes sense for you to be on Instagram. And I was like, whatever. So I started with Tumblr. Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's an important part of the story because a lot of artists started on Tumblr. Some of my favorite artists that I know in life, they started on Tumblr, so that's an important part of the story. Tumblr was like where it was at, and it's very visual, and I like the blogging style, and just Tumblr is a very unique um, space, and I kind of, I need to get back on Tumblr and just kind of... Yo, facts! That, me too. Me too. You know, like I, I kind of just left left Tumblr behind when I when I got on Instagram. That, that, that's kind of whacking me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it that's like yeah, that was that progression. And um, once I got on Instagram, what I really really liked about it was the instant part. Like I'm, I like pop culture, and I like. Like, I'm, because my work is so cartoony, it's easy for me to produce art very quickly. So something, and that's how I tend to work anyways. Like, something would happen, I get inspired, I make art, and then I started sharing it, and there would be, like, that immediate conversation because it's something that just happened instantly. And then with the algorithm, like, when they first rolled it out, like, something would happen, I would see it, I'd get inspired, I'd make response to it, and i put it out, and then I would look back, and I'd see that that thing happened two days ago. Or, like, someone would post something, that I was really inspired by, but it was like four days ago, or it, it wasn't happening now, and so, and then it took away like what was trending, what was happening, and it just felt like there was this shift in um, control, like before the people who were on the site had the control because they were able to interact with each other in real time and have conversations that were important to them in real time, and all of a sudden, the algorithm's telling you you need to see this post now. This is what you need to be looking at. This is what I think you would like. This is what I think is trending for you. And it, it kind of, you know, my inner artist kicked in and I was just like, I don't like this level of control. I don't like being told what I would like. I don't like being told when I should see something. Like if I, and then I don't like the fact that if I follow somebody, I may not see their post for, for weeks. Like there are people, there are so many artists and writers and poets, dancers, like all these different types of creative people that I follow that give me inspiration. And then I realized like two weeks ago, I haven't seen something from so-and-so and I'll go on their page and then find out they've been posting this whole time, but it's just never showed up on my feed. And I'm like, that's kind of counter, and it's kind of intuitive the right word to the way that I work and the way that I experience the world. So that's one thing that really, really annoys me about Instagram. Like, it's no longer instant, and it's no longer tapped into what's happening now. And I think that is really important, given, um, you know, the way that society is, and we're in the age of instant gratification. So it's really strange that that was changed. Or I shouldn't say strange. I know it's, like, for money um, and influence, but it that really annoys me about Instagram. Um, so... All that to say, I've been on it less as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is um, is 
related to COVID-19 is conspiracy theories about like what's like I, I get that people like this, is, this happens with everything you know conspiracy theories always exist and they always come about but I think sometimes and, and I think it's, it's valid to have different perspectives on situations but I think sometimes when you know you have something that is very serious and then you have a lot of conspiracy theories or theorists I should say who try to steer away from the gravity of the situation that kind of annoys me because it's like alright People are dying. Oh, this is a man-made disease, and we need to stay away from this and do this. And it's like, okay, that could be true. However, it is also very, very real and true that people are dying. So let's not try to minimize this mm-hmm. by making it seem like there was just some conspiracy. I think that's very um, annoying to me, and it's very dangerous because then people don't take this this thing seriously because they're like, oh, it's just you know, it's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very annoying um, to me and very dangerous. I agree. Both of those things are things that have grinded my gears for some time. I mean, the COVID-19 thing and conspiracy... No, I was going to say COVID-19 conspiracies are new, but no, conspiracies are not new. People have been doing that nonsense on Twitter on Twitter forever. Um, right. And it's only just increased over time, especially with the situation right now. And then the algorithms has been like throwing a wrench into our plans for the last couple of years as well. So that's super annoying as well. Um, I don't even know how the algorithm has affected my presence on Instagram because I don't have a tons of a ton of followers. But I do know that, like you said, you're like, oh, I wonder what so-and-so was up to. And you just haven't been seeing their stuff regardless of the fact that they've been out there. They've been doing things. And that's just mad weird. Very, very true. Very important. Um, right on. Right on, right on. Tell me about, if you would, tell me about Children of Virtue and Vengeance. What's that? Oh, what is that? <laughs> um, Children of Virtue and Vengeance is the second book in um, Show Me at the Yemi uh, an uh, I, messing up this word, an author mm-hmm. um, <laughs> of this series. The series is called Legacy of the Orishas, which is um, it's just this really dope um, book series that takes um, Nigerian or West African culture. Um, she's Nigerian, but it takes um, West African culture and magic and fantasy and gives you this opportunity to go into that world and experience the culture through a fantastical lens. It's kind of like um, what we've grown up with. Like everyone knows stories about vampires and werewolves and um, what else is like European folklore, like leprechauns. And we know these kind of fantastical stories and we see them in like Harry Potter. Um, What else? Like so many TV shows, you you learn these stories and things, you know, growing up, but they're all from an ancient European legacy. And so when I I've been hearing about that book, or Children of Blood and Bone is the first part. I've been hearing about it so much, and then one day I decided to download it on Audible and just listen to it. And I remember having this experience of like 
because I love Harry Potter. And I felt like I was a kid again reading a Harry Potter book because I was like, I wanted to go to Hogwarts. And then I'm reading this book and I want to go to this fantastical Nigeria. You know what I mean? I want to go to the places that she's mentioning in the book. I want to have the powers that the characters have. So that, it, it, it's that experience of like, it's a book that brings you into a different kind of legacy. And like, I thought it was really cool because I got to learn about black mythology and black culture um, or ancient black culture instead of just, you know, a lot of American literature starts at or after slavery. You know what I mean? So yep. it's a book that it, it predates that, you know what I mean? And you get to, um, you, you learn about the culture, but you also get to see black people in a context that you don't traditionally get to see them in. Yep. You get to see them have powers. You get to see them save the world. You get to see them just be like flawed and complicated and funny. And that's what that book is. It's all of that. So it's just a really cool book that I became a fan of just happening upon it one day. So as a fan, I mean, I'm a fan of many things. I'm a fan of being a fan. Like I feel like being a fan gets a bad, being a fan gets a bad rap in modern culture. Um, I'm a fan of many things. So tell me, as a fan of the series and as of the way the series portrays our people, how did it feel to you to get the chance to create artwork for the cover? Um, so that, it, it was really cool. Um, this is, I, I'm trying to my thoughts. So it felt, we are asking, the feeling so I, it felt really really cool um and a little bit surreal because uh the books had come out and then um Tony had um uh, she reached out on her well I when the books came out I went to go follow her um and she was already following me and I I, I had a moment I was just like yo me at the end following me like what's going on that just <laughs> Instagram obviously glitched because I'm like I'm a fan of her work right I'm a fan of her work. and I was like waiting for the second part so I was like you know let me follow her so I can stay up to date when the second book is coming out because I need to know what happens next and then she was already following me so then I, I made a big deal about it on my Instagram stories and then she responded and then like we had like a little bit of a, a back and forth and I said this is kind of cool like I got to talk to an author of something that I'm a fan of. Um, and then I think when her book was coming out, she posted on her Instagram that she needed an artist in New York City. And I typically don't respond to things like that. Um, and I was just like, something was like, you know, take a risk and just reach out. Um, like, hey, I'm in New York City and I'm an artist. And she was like, great. Um, and it was literally like, she's going to have her people, um, follow up with me. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see where this, like, I don't know. I didn't know what it was about, what it was going to be. And then her people followed up and I thought it was fake. I was like, I'm being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that exact feeling before. It was like, this is definitely not real. Yeah. I'm like, this is definitely not weird. And, and like, New York is a very strange place. There are all these like strange things that happen. And the, the way it was approached was like, because um, they were 
do a book review on Good Morning America for the cover. So they wanted an artist to recreate the the cover. And so it was like, hey, the email was just like, hey, we need an artist in New York to show up to a morning show and do some art. And I'm like, okay, that's it. Like, this is fake. Like, you would have more details. You would have told me where it was. And then you're like, okay, if you're in, call in. And they gave me, like, access code. And then it was, like, super, like, it felt um, very secure, um, which furthered my belief that it was fake. And then it wasn't. And then I ended up going there and um, recreating the cover art for it. And that same feeling of um, just, like, I guess, excitement and... came back towards the end because I think throughout the middle of it I was kind of skeptical and then I became excited when it actually happened like when the car pulled up and I was like alright this, this is the sticker on the car that says good morning Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um, and so that was like the when it really set in um I think what else was I feeling like that I don't know it was, it was just a really cool experience it was dope that um she reached out and then followed through with what she said. So that I've been in situations before where people have like said, hey, I have this creative opportunity. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then like five years later, it's never happened. So it's right. really cool that she was about it. You know what I mean? She said it. She had an intention. Yep. And, and, and it, the whole entire team followed through and it was just such a cool experience. And I love this feeling of being put on by a black, a young black author and creative who's out there doing her thing. And then she turned around and was like, yo, I want another black, young creative to do his thing as well. And like, she made space for me to do that on a platform, like on a major platform, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't some like, you gotta have the right connection. You gotta be with a publishing house or a company or whatever yep. to get in. It was just like, I respect the talent. You respect my talent. Let's do something together. I love that. Yeah, and I was like, and that kind of reminded me to continue to work in that way. And um, what, what I'm thinking about what you said about just thinking about ideas and things that you have and what, what you want to do when, you know, just doing it because you never know what could happen or, you know, the time could pass and you could, you could sat there and thought about it a million times like, oh, I have a dope idea that I could have done. And because I sat here and thought about it for a thousand years, I never actually did it. And that kind of process of just saying it, putting it out there and doing it and making it happen kind of stuck with me. And I'm, and very, I left that experience feeling very inspired. Absolutely. Leads me to a question that I ask everyone when I have these conversations. Um, and I'm going to ask you this question specific to that experience. Um, what advice if you could go back and redo that whole situation in terms of showcasing your work or connecting with another creative entrepreneur or any of that stuff which kind of is just a world that combines creativity and professionalism 
what would you do differently or what would you do more of or what would you do less of or how would you tweak your process to kind of get even more out of it if, if there's any way and if there's no way if you feel like you you nailed it um and you obviously you obviously nailed it but um what would you do differently to try to nail it even harder and like if you could go back and with the context that you have now Yes, that's yes. I need that advice personally, and I know that the people out there listening to this podcast also need that advice. Put yourself out there and shoot your shots. Yes, yes. I love that. I love that. All right, um, we have covered many, many things. Let me just dig into my bag of tricks to make sure there's nothing that's like especially sacred that I need. I need to squeeze from your brain uh we already talked about advice for the youngsters out there so we're not going to go into advice segment because we already done it but just tell me about um because we have this in common and because it's been a big part of both of our lives and because we're also in a point of our lives where evolution is becoming an even bigger part of our lives than being shy. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have? Because I think kind of being a creative and being an artist, which usually makes people a bit more sensitive to the world, lends itself to being shy. What advice? I, I guess, we'll, fuck it, we are going for an advice piece of your mind. What advice do you have for other younger artists out there who are also shy and who also struggle to put themselves out there and shoot their shots? What would you say to them um, in specific? Like, what are some things that have worked for you? Because, like I said, we are shy, but we've also kind of spent some time learning about our own styles enough to the point where we can get on TV and do some live painting and make it impactful to the world. So what advice would you say to other people who kind of struggle with that same inability to just shout from the rooftops. Okay. I have a, a few things, but I also want you to chime in on it too, because you've done some things. I don't know if you talked about it on the podcast, but have you answered this question already? Never, which is why I'm happy okay. you're throwing that back at me. I've never talked about it. Okay. Well, um, I would say something that my mother has always um, told me, but it's really hard to do is just, and you kind of mentioned it just now, but just kind of just doing it. And then um, she would ask, you know, when I was nervous to do something or anxious about something, there was this mentality of like, but did you die after you did it? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
with me is to just do it um, through the fear, do it through the anxiety, do it through whatever emotions are coming up for you. And then, you know, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, go get some therapy and like process why those feelings are coming up for you. Um, but I think you kind of just, it's, it's okay to feel all, and this is something that I have to remind myself constantly. It's like, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have anxiety, but just do it in spite of those emotions because your emotions are temporary and they're going to change what your decisions are permanent. You know what I mean? Like once you make a choice or not your, 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 your choice, but once you make a decision to do something that act is permanent, yep. you know, um, yep. yeah. So I think that's the first piece of it. Um, and I forgot the other part that I was thinking of. Um, it's fine. It will come back to you. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. I share that same exact sentiment and that same exact piece of advice. Um, but if I was to not plagiarize your advice, I would say, I would say, um, so I apologize if I cut you off. Are you, did you have anything no, else I'm to good. add to that? No, no, I'm good. I would say, I'm back, I'll, I'll jump for sure. Um, I would say my advice it's not advice. It's literally just what worked for me. Um, I would also, I would encourage, this is not the advice, but I would encourage people to spend less time on advice and more time on just pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to what worked for you. And then all that we can offer the world is our experiences. So like that worked for you and, and you can introduce other people to that concept and that philosophy, but may not always work for everybody so one just kind of trusting yourself a little bit more of course um because i think a lot of these fears come from just not trusting ourselves a thousand percent um and then even bigger piece of advice that i would say is just spend time focusing on your comfort zone figure out what your comfort zone is figure out your strengths Figure, of course, I feel like in school and in work and our careers, we often get like kind of subconsciously coached into thinking about improving our weaknesses. But fucking everyone has weaknesses and you might spend your entire life trying to fix weaknesses, quote unquote weaknesses or room opportunities for improvement or whatever. And you don't spend any time focused on your strengths and your comfort, what you're good at already. So... Focus on your comfort zone. And if you don't know what your comfort zone is, like I didn't back in the day when I was a little kid who was buying flight jacket and just airbrushing on it and just figuring it out. I didn't I didn't know. Just experiment. Just try things. Just do it. Shoot a jump shot. Write a draw a sketch. Make a podcast. Just do things that you are exposed to. And either you're going to like it or you're not going to like it. And if you like it, do more of it. If you don't like it, don't do it ever again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just focus on finding your comfort zone. And then once you find it, thrive in that comfort zone because you're going to exist in that comfort zone better than anyone else. And if you are better than anyone else, there's literally no way you can be shy. If you know that you got it and you know you've spent the time working on it, you're always going to be confident and you're never going to be timid and you're always going to be happy to give your perspective. So 
that's my advice. Um, in addition to in addition to what you're saying, it's similar to what you're saying. It's just do things and don't be, don't let the inhibitions kind of stop you from living your life. Um, also, just spend that time figuring out what you just naturally enjoy and then do a whole bunch of it do spend a thousand hours on it and then spend a couple more hours on it and you will be an expert and if you're an expert you will be confident and you will be happy to to walk in the world with your head high and happy to like put things out into the world that are representative of your life um i hope that makes sense no it makes a lot of sense and I love the, the, the piece about trusting yourself. Um, I think a lot of people doubt themselves, especially shy people. They doubt themselves. They doubt their ability to, you know, make their dreams happen. Um, and I think there is, I don't know, I think I was listening to something today where they were just talking about, I can't remember who it was, but just talking about how we wait for someone else to present an opportunity for us. Um, and, and I think about what you said about honing your craft and like making sure if this is something, taking a strength-based, you know, approach, like if you're if you're good at something and you have a skill in it and you're passionate about it, then continue to develop and do it. But then, you know, don't get stuck in this, this point of, you know, if I work, I work hard enough, I do this great enough, then somebody will see the value in my own work and then put me on. I think I've had that mentality. Sometimes like I dip into that thought process of like, oh, somebody will see this and you know, there'll be the plug and I'll be put on, but then it's kind of like, you know, I gotta trust myself and I gotta put myself out there and, and make opportunities for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that comes from, this is, this is um, the other thing I wanted to say was um, regret. Um, I don't know if, for me, as a shy person, I always, like, I play back situations over and over and over. And, like, how could I have done that differently? How could I, I should have did this? But a lot of shoulda, woulda, coulda, but I didn't, you know? And so it's like that plays in my mind all the time. And then I remind myself, I was like, do you like that feeling? Do you like thinking about, damn, I should have did this. Oh, I wish I would have said that. Oh, I could have did this. And just remind myself that I don't like that feeling of regret. So let's try to limit that for yourself. Let's try to limit those regretful experiences by taking the chance and doing, um, putting yourself out there. Um, which is hard because that is something I still go through today. But I think that's the other thing I wanted to mention. I love it. Javir, my friend, we have talked about many things and there are many gems to be uh, deduced from this chat. I will hit you with a final, not a question, but opportunity. Is there anything else you want to leave with the people on, on the fi- a final note? Anything else specifically or generally?
elevate with them is really, really, really dope and really cool and very inspiring and reminds me to just move with who's next to you or like use, you know, tap into your family where their strengths are they good at. I think that's really, really inspiring. Um, and I think that's what I would want to leave. It's not my own thing, kind of smashed that from you, but I think that's really dope and something because um, not a lot of people have family who they can rely on or yep. lean on to do creative things. So I think if you have it, it's a beautiful thing when you can lean on it and use that to create. That's, that's really dope to me. Thank you for noticing that because that's super central to my entire process and everything I do. Family, It's a family business. Um, I, I'm, I'm super blessed in this life and I don't take it for granted. I'm surrounded by good, special, uh, amazing people who are all better than me and I, I'm lucky enough to learn from. Um, so the fact that you, somebody who's not necessarily a part of that immediate family that I, you know what I mean, et cetera, you're part of the extended family now, of course, but for you to notice that and to and have that resonate with you, that that's a sign to me, that's a sign of my progress and my success along the way. And I don't know, I just appreciate you taking note. More so than anything, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time, your thoughts. The people are going to benefit tremendously from this. Uh, there is a kid in Jamaica who's probably soon going to be headed to the States, and hopefully he'll hear this podcast when he's got the right mindset for it, and this is going to help him get from A to B to Z. So thank you. Mm-hmm.